Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. And uh, this week, I get to talk to you a little bit about something which you can catch the tail end of, uh, as today will be the last day of attendance of the Los Angeles Art Show. Um, I've been attending this week. I got to go to the opening night party. Um, bumped into some um, some pretty cool people, including Emma Roberts, who was hosting a little bit. She was not only incredibly sweet and, um, and articulate, but she bought some artwork, which was nice to see. Um, a question that a lot of people have in in the, the world of the arts and in the art fair business, and that's the, you know, the art fairs are a business. They're more about um, selling work than about necessarily staging uh, an exhibition. Uh, but, you know, each art show does often contact performance artists, um, musical guests, or uh, kind of specifically um, thought out types of art, whether it be a painting or a sculpture or a video piece or a combination that will run only at the, the art shows. Often it's an installation. But um, I get asked by artists a lot um, whether they think it's worthwhile. And of course, there are as many answers to that as there are art fairs. Um, you know, our gallery, the gallery that um, I, I run primarily in Los Angeles, um, you know, La Luz de Jesus Gallery, we have done the LA Art Fair in years past. And um, we felt that a lot of our clients were people that we were already selling work to. And so being in town, it didn't make as much sense for us to do that fair any longer. But um, as I went this year as, as an attendee and not as, a, as an exhibitor, I was really struck by how much fun it is to actually walk around in an art fair without having to think about the business of it. And um, with the new endeavor uh, out in Pasadena, the Gallery 30 South, we will sort of be more in tune with doing art fairs. And so there's a, a higher likelihood that uh, you'll see me on the road uh, with my wife um, in the Gallery 30 South capacity than um, necessarily in, in the La Luz de Jesus capacity, only because of the, the differences in the type of artwork that as a figurative narrative gallery with La Luz, that um, the audience is a little bit more limited among the average, um, you know, say, blue chip art buyer. And uh, by showcasing more abstract or high concept work and some video and performance work at Gallery 30 South um, and mainly through a lot of the connections of my wife's friends um, in Japan and throughout Asia, that um, the ability to showcase important contemporary work from different voices and different cultures um, and not in the necessarily easy to digest format of figurative narrative illustration uh, type work that it automatically taps into a different type of fandom and it starts to reach the less penetrable, less commercial aspect of the art world. And so um, people who do know about the art fairs know about things like Basel and Basel named after the city in Switzerland and, and the host city of the art Basel for a very, very long time. Um, also stretched to do a Basel show in Miami, Florida. And the success of that show stretched out into there being about 35 or 40 
um, art shows that run concurrently with uh, Basel in Florida, generally um, right after the turn of the year, early January, sometimes uh, early December. And there are other cities like Art Houston and um, Art Contemporary Houston. Also running this weekend, in addition to the LA Art Show, will be Photo LA, which is an excellent um, art show. And there's also the Art Contemporary Los Angeles, which is held out in Barker Hangar in Santa Monica. And so this show airing Sunday, um, going live probably in the wee hours of the morning, just past midnight. If you do listen to this, I, I do urge you to go and check out those um, those art shows if you are in the Los Angeles area. There's also a show which I believe is still running um, out at uh, Paramount Ranch, uh, which is an old Western set um, that Paramount used to shoot there, um, the cheap Westerns at, uh, not so far actually from um, where the Manson family used to stay um, in, in Calabasas. Uh, but this, this ranch is closer to Malibu and it is very high concept work. Some of the hardest to penetrate um, modern contemporary art works. And um, it really pretty much draws just that museum buyer um, type of client, um, usually very expensive work, the type of stuff that a lot of um, laypersons may kind of scratch their head at, um, and some of it with varying degrees of what I would consider validity. But um, definitely worth checking out, especially if it's not raining. If it is raining, that is not a fun show, as it is at a Western set, and there's a lot of mud. But... um, I will be checking out uh, this weekend uh, the LA Photo LA. I will be checking out um, our contemporary Los Angeles. And um, what is usually a very big draw at the LA Art Show and should be again this year is the Little Topia portion of exhibitions. Uh, Little Topia was an idea thought of by uh, a man named uh, Noah, Noah Antio who um, his mom is uh, Chris Roberts Antio, and she's an app, an applique, fabric applique artist who became quite well-known in New Orleans, and he started Red Truck Gallery in New Orleans, um, then opened a Red Truck in Portland and also has Heron Arts in San Francisco. But he thought of Topia as a way of bringing in, you know, the quote-unquote younger galleries. And while at La Luz we were not a younger gallery, we were definitely of that kind of younger sensibility. So it, it spoke more to the newness and kind of freshness of the clientele and the type of artwork. And there were like-minded galleries like uh, Gregorio Escalante, run by Greg Escalante, the co-publisher of Juxtapose magazine. Um, There were, you know, there's Copro Gallery, used to be Copro Nason. Um, You know, there's quite a few of those like-minded spaces from Philadelphia and Portland and San Francisco and um, and elsewhere, honestly. And if you like the type of thing that we do at La Luz de Jesus, and if you like pop art that's um, maybe based in comics or has at least a steady line of that type of, oh, I guess, genre appreciation, then um, you'll definitely appreciate that. And some of the other galleries that stepped up this year have brought some of the very best. And there's Nietzsche Gallery from Japan and um, they're a little bit outside of Little Topia, more in the in the Asian contemporary section. There was a an actual live um, bloodletting ritual that was performed uh, on Thursday on Wednesday night, and um, I don't know if that's going to continue throughout the show. But the the Broad, um, you know, the new contemporary art museum uh, run by um, Eli and Edith Broad, the um, the owners of KB Homes and large um, buyers and patrons of the arts, um, they've been coordinating events with 
the LA Art Show and have a booth there featuring explanations of some of their upcoming exhibitions, including Creature, which if you are in LA, um, the Broad is a free museum, but it does require reservations and they're easy. You can just go online and you can select your day and date. And if you've, if you've got a few months to do it, you're almost guaranteed um, attendance and you can spend all day there if you like. Um, the Creature Show is pretty great. It has a, um, a large automaton, which I believe chases you around a gallery. Um, which is kind of worth its weight in gold, if you ask me. So um, other things uh, tangential to this um, this weekend is the, the sort of soft opening of Gallery 30 South in Pasadena. Um, it is at 30 South Wilson Avenue uh, in Pasadena, right off of Colorado Boulevard, right down the street from Cal, uh, Caltech. And it's a small space, um, which was opened primarily as an atelier space for um, the jewelry of Adnohia, who is my wife, I, I Honda Kennedy. And um, her design work, um, very much kind of a, a future noir type of thing with a, with a very Japanese aesthetic and feel where she connects elements of the natural world into uh, her appreciation of um, architectural design and, um, and form. And uh, most people who've seen her work, just there's not a lot of people that you can compare it to. And I can't even think of anybody that I would compare it to. But it is really amazing stuff. And you can find her work at adnohia.com, which is A-D-N-O-H-I-A. And um, you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that. Uh, her insomnia line is what she's currently showcasing. Um, the show that will be opening um, in the gallery is of the Panic Collective, who we've talked about before in the program. Um, you know, a, a, a collective I'm very much connected to. And the, the series that is on display is part of their Dancing with Architecture series, which comes from a a quote by Frank Zappa um, saying that writing about music was like dancing to architecture. And what they've done is they've taken some, you know, some album cover artwork uh, from the 70s and 80s and turned them into abstract um, paintings, abstract, um, um, what would you call it? I guess it's, it's not quite abstract expressionism, but I guess it sort of is. And by using a an identifiable image and turning it into a less identifiable image, their aim is to help give people an appreciation of that type of abstract expressionist work. That if you see an abstract expressionist painting or something that's not figurative or narrative and you're drawn to it, understand that you're drawn to certain elements that you recognize because you recognize figure and form, that there's still composition. Composition is still important regardless of whether a piece is... Um, meant to represent a person or an animal or a building or something identifiable. And color and color theory are also very, very important. So um, works that we consider to be great works will function even if you take away the ease of identifying them. And because they're large format, they're all about 120 centimeters, so you know, between four and five feet, um, and they're all square, that um, that format, when large and in front of you, removes a little bit of your ability to see that easy perspective. And when you walk further away from them, they become more identifiable as a subject matter. And I believe there's some, some show cards for the piece um, that explain what works they were used to create them, crediting the, the art directors, the, the artists themselves, the, the band. And, um, you know, very um, important, I think, when working with any type of appropriation art, regardless of the degree of altering, that proper credit be paid. Otherwise, it's not homage, it's theft.
So um, if you're around, if you're in town, please, you know, stop by uh, Gallery 30 South. Tell them Matt Kennedy sent you. Uh, introduce yourself and uh, take a look. Get on their mailing list. Go to the um, Gallery 30 South website. And 30 is written out as 30 um, in the middle there. Um, and, you know, I think if you enjoy this podcast and, and the types of things that we talk about, that um, you'll probably enjoy this gallery. And, and it may not be exactly within your wheelhouse of what you would normally um, be a fan of. And so I hope that if you do like this type of thing, that it will help expand your appreciation of other areas, including video art and performance art and sound installation. And we've been trying to reach out to some some people who we respect, um, some very, very influential um, musicians, um, both contemporary and from the past, um, to give them a format to be able to see not just what people know them for, but their other experimental types of uh, explorations, um, whether it be in paint or in, in sculpture or in, or in sound or in, or in image. And those things are generally difficult um, to think about as a type of art that you would sell and take home. And so we are wanting to be a little bit more accessible in that avenue so that if you were to get an interest in installation art, that um, we can come to an understanding of, of how you might take that installation and feature it in your home and be able to you know, open up other people in your life to your appreciation of that type of form. You know, I, I think that as someone who's run a gallery primarily based around um, paintings and illustrations and um, form sculpture, that um, I have seen firsthand the difficulties in accessing easily, you know, to the layperson, um, an enjoyment of, of artwork that is not what they expect. And not just in the degree of technicality, and I think that you can make an argument that um, non-figurative work can be just as technical, uh, depending upon the amount of work that goes into it. My philosophy seems to be that you know, if I'm to explain it in uh, simple terms, that I love high concept work, but I like high craft. And if something is is supposedly high concept and not executed well, um, then I won't have necessarily an appreciation of it. And I think that when people become disenfranchised with seeing um, very high price tags on on certain bodies of work, and you hear people say things like, my kid could paint that, then um, that's evidence of the great disconnect between um, art education and the public. And I think there have been a lot of people who buy high concept work that don't want there to be an accessible explanation, that they want to feel a little bit more special by not having an explanation out for everybody, which to me is the enemy of an appreciation of art. And I think that, you know, definitely people have the right to create works of art and they should be paid for it and they should be paid appropriately. And if there are people that are willing to pay a lot of money for it, then absolutely that person who created it deserves that amount of money. But that to intentionally produce work that automatically annexes um, large segments of society um, through an intention not to educate, I think that's wrong. And so one of the things that I, I would love for this space to be is a space where people can learn. And if they're open-minded, they, you know, they, 
they can get a lesson. Um, if someone's going to walk in and not be open-minded, I can understand why a gallerist or um, a curator would have no time for trying to explain anything to them because I think you you get what you bring to something. And, you know, I've always been pretty pretty easy about um, offering up whatever information somebody wants, but also leaving them alone to enjoy an exhibition so that when you walk in, you don't immediately get hit with a, can I help you or get, you know, some kind of judgy look or anything like that, that, um, you know, you kind of have to come to art on your own terms, but you also have to understand that, um, especially in the business of art where things are for sale and it's not a museum and you didn't pay to get in the door, that um, there should be a certain reverence for the work regardless of how you feel about it. But if you are feeling something you know, a negative reaction to something that's valid and maybe that's part of the intention behind the piece and that's when you should engage with the director and say, hey, you know, um, I'm seeing this and I'm feeling this and I really want to get a sense of what the artist had behind it. And when you go to the art fairs, you see a lot of people who have maybe bought Groupon tickets for the last couple of days for a show. They're not the frontline um, fans of art, but they're doing it more as like a, um, a social curio. They don't have respect. They may touch stuff. They may bump into stuff. And it's really hard on not just the um, the gallerists who are kind of trying to safeguard, you know, work, protect it from, from damage from people who um, don't necessarily know um, how to interact with the work that they have. But... Um, that in, and I worry, you know, in an age where we seem to be embracing a certain amount of ignorance um, and that there's a certain pride behind, um, you know, being ignorant, that we don't lose sight of how important it is to, you know, sit down and learn about things that we don't understand. And I think art is a really good way to do that. I think art and language are two really important ways to do that. And so I probably have a little bit more... um, respect and appreciation and tolerance for text art than most people do. But um, certainly if anybody has any questions about um, these types of things, I'd be happy to do my best to answer them. And I encourage you to send me, you know, an email. You can send emails to info at popsequentialism.com. And you can contact us on Facebook. You know, you can um, you can reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at podsec. Um, you know, pod sequentialism on Facebook. I believe it's pod sequentialism on Twitter and at PodSec on Instagram. Um, but I, I look forward to, you know, interacting more with fans of the, of the program. You know, if you have questions about any of the former guests we've had, I'd be happy to try and get those questions to them and get them answered. Maybe address them on, on a future podcast, maybe just contact you directly, which I have been doing. And I have been getting a lot of submissions from people. Um, both at La Luz de Jesus Gallery and through um, the Pop Sequentialism uh, website, um, submissions of work. And I appreciate that. I want you to continue to send them. Um, not everything that I get sent is something that I would exhibit or um, that I feel that the the spaces that I have are the right audience for. But um, I am happy to you know, review those things and if possible, recommend the, the right space for you to submit to. And so, um, you know, I want this to be kind of an, an ongoing dialogue. I don't want to just be a guy behind a microphone that talks to someone, you know, I don't know who they are and maybe they hear it, maybe they don't. And there's no feedback. I definitely want to um, make sure that if you're enjoying the show, let me know. If you hate the show, let me know. You know, I don't want to live in the bubble. And if you have critiques, by all means, please reach out and um, and let me know what you'd like to hear more of or what you want to hear less of. And not to say that I will, you know, absolutely follow those things, but it's good to get the feedback and it's good to be able to address um, 
you know, the, the ideas of an audience, especially since you've been kind enough to support us by listening. So um, this has been kind of a little snippet. Wanted to get something in for 20 minutes um, and, and hopefully be able to, uh, to reach everybody in time to see stuff that's happening this weekend. But understand that uh, in the case of uh, Gallery 30 South, it is an ongoing uh, endeavor. It is appointment only, but um, we're very easy to reach and um, encourage you to follow again on all the, all the social formats. Um, Gallery 30 South. It's at 30 South Wilson Avenue in Pasadena. And um, thanks again. Thanks again for listening. And I hope that uh, you've learned a little bit about the uh, the art fair market. And I, I hope it's piqued your curiosity enough to maybe want to go. And look forward to talking to you all again soon. This has been Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. Hello, this is Matt Kennedy from Pod Sequentialism. And um, what many, many of you may know that I, I do run a gallery in Los Angeles called La Luz de Jesus Gallery. And what you may not know is that it's inside Wacko, which is probably the greatest center of pop culture in the world. And it may sound like hyperbole, it's not. Um, you can, if you don't want to trust my judgment, you can listen to people like Kevin Smith, uh, James Gunn, uh, David Mack, um, all of whom will swear that uh, one of their favorite places on earth is uh, Wacko, the shop that houses La Luz de Jesus Gallery. Um, whether it's blind box toys or little tchotchkes or art books, it pretty much is the place that you can get all of your Christmas shopping done for every possible annoying person to buy for that you can imagine. They've got everything, and I highly recommend that you visit them. You can visit them online at soapplant.com. You can visit the gallery at laluzdejesus.com, and that's spelled L-A-L-U-Z-D-E-J-E-S-U-S.com. Check them out and tell them Matt Kennedy sent you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.